0: Welcome to Lean Back. I'm Lisa. And I'm Laura. And today's episode is on guilt.
1: So in the last season, we talked about shame, and we made a a brief distinction between shame and guilt. But we abandoned the conversation about what guilt means relatively quickly. So we kind of thought it might be useful to reiterate our idea of what guilt is. And the difference between guilt and shame might be a good starting point. Mm -hmm. to dive in to our conversation about guilt. So what do you think distinguishes guilt from the shame that we found to be Mm -hmm. really destructive in our last conversation?
0: Well, I mean, we were talking about how shame is about – Feeling bad, not just for what you've done, but about what that implies about what kind of person you are and what your values are and how you treat other people. And guilt is really when we think something that we've done has harmed another person emotionally or physically or spiritually or materially. And usually we either try and repair the relationship after we have felt guilt or we shut down and can't communicate any further. So guilt is definitely about the the tremendous feelings over sometimes overwhelming feelings of disappointment in ourselves about how we've treated somebody else.
1: I do think shame centers a lot on how you feel bad about yourself, like as a being, mm-hmm. it's like not as much behavior related as fundamentally some... Real aspect of who I am. Oh yeah, is shame not right? Yeah, it's
0: yeah. <laughs> so shame is a psychological wound to the self, and that's often self-inflicted.
1: Guilt is based on actions and behaviors where you have some kind of locus of control, like as an individual. Mm. So, if you feel guilty about something, uh, you played a hand in a behavior that happened that you maybe feel guilty about, or uh, something that you didn't expect to happen, but precipitated a negative outcome. Um, Guilt is really related to things that I feel like you have control over. I mean, I wonder if people feel guilty about things when it's unnecessary. I feel like guilt is (laughs) probably one of the top, you know, I mean, if you had to rank the emotions you feel, <laughs> guilt is pretty high on the list.
0: Guilt can be have a productive function, though. Like, guilt functions to help us keep track of whether or not we're a good community citizen. It only functions if you are you have a relationship to a family or a community. It's very context-dependent inside of networks of relationships. And so, in that sense, guilt has, you know, this dimension that you're right, is hyper-located in a network of relationships that are very understandable, that have fairly clear rules and expectations about behavior, and that have responsibilities that go along with how you are a good citizen in that community. A lot of
1: times, there's too much focus placed on guilt. Mm. And I say that um, because I feel like people make mistakes uh, and that's kind of like part of what makes you human. And I mean, there's a whole like spectrum of things you could feel guilty about from like not cleaning out your cat's litter. And you're like, "Ah." I mean, my my cat's not as comfortable as she could be Yeah. (laughs) to, you know, you've done something actually atrocious that has consequences that will follow you for the rest of your life. I feel like we place this immense weight on guilt people make mistakes and sometimes the consequences of those mistakes follow you through your whole life and so I wonder I mean a guilt is an emotion you feel like across a broad spectrum of behavior from like minor mistakes to major mistakes. And I wonder how you feel about guilt as an emotion that haunts you for, for minor mistakes and for major mistakes. And if it's an, a, a normal emotional response or if it's something that can be traumatic.
0: I, I think it can be traumatic. I think of the two, shame is more toxic than guilt. For sure. I think shame is much more damaging psychologically um, and more toxic as an emotion. But I have a joke I tell people. About me being a lapsed Catholic, and uh I say, you know one year I just for Lent, I gave up guilt and shame, and I never took them back and I felt that the messages of guilt and shame in the church about women were completely toxic and psychologically damaging, and i didn't they didn't I didn't respond to them, they had no narrative fidelity to me they didn't they were I wasn't responsive to them i I was resentful of them I found them to be contextually inappropriate and punitive and really problematic. And so for me, I guess at a very young age, I was clearly aware of the fact that you need to have your own center, moral center. And if you operate from that place, you'll have fewer opportunities to feel guilt or shame um, because you have a better sense of who you are and what you want and how to treat other people and what kind of rules you know, can can help you navigate other relationships, and so for me, I don't like to participate in either guilt or shame. I try to make decisions that don't evoke either of those two things. So, once I was on, right after I got on Twitter for the first time, um, I was doing some advocacy around reproductive justice, and a and a Catholic priest started tweeting at me, or somebody who was at least had an had an avatar as a Catholic priest, and he said. Um, the things that you're saying sounds like they are Catholic. And I said, oh, yeah, culturally, I was raised in the Catholic church. And culturally, I have a, a background that's extremely articulate in Catholicism. And he said, well, why did you leave the church? And I said, I found a higher calling. And he said, what's that? And I said, justice. And I felt that way as a, as a kid, that you should be able to understand the parameters of human engagement around kindness and caring that don't have to be based in religion like I don't need the parables or the gospels to explain to me why I should be kind to other people or why I should be a good Samaritan or why it's important to take care of people in the community so I think people who feel a lot of guilt try to use that as a motivation but I think that community is a better motivation and that the people who rely on guilt as an intra-personal motivation, like if I feel guilty about not completing this assignment, I'll work harder to get the A. Whatever that kind of utilitarian drive is to use guilt as a motivation leads to a ton of regret.
1: When you lay it in your bed at night, and you you think maybe if you were put in front of a jury, I'd oh yeah, you have to judge all your actions for your entire life, you'd be found guilty. <laughs> so many charges you know so like if we're all put in front of a jury and they evaluate your actions based on like the law or your own personal morals you'd be found guilty a lot we, we behave in this moral grey area a lot and I think that's really useful but we also talked about how sometimes the law isn't exactly <coughs> congruent with what's right you spoke a lot about that when we talked about your book yeah, Prison Power And how the law was, like, directly at odds (laughs) with, like, what was morally just. Right. And they criminalized behavior that was congruent with social progress and human rights progress. I'm I'm talking about guilt in kind of a legal sense. I feel like it's important to establish that the boundary between what's right and wrong is very gray. Mm -hmm. And most of us operate you know in that gray area we're not on either side of that boundary
0: well first of all guilt is an emotion and so that makes it really hard to mobilize i think it's probably a problematic area of american jurisprudence to think about guilt as the way of understanding crime because guilt is an emotion i mean that sort of explodes open a bunch of really interesting theoretical ground about whether or not we should use guilt or responsibility I mean, you could have responsibility to do X, Y, or Z, but guilt is the emotion that you should feel about that. Do you see how that creates a space where the judiciary is trying to say that this is how you should feel about the fact that you've abrogated this sort of responsibility to the state or this obligation you were supposed to have as a citizen? I think responsibility is probably a better way to go there, especially because so many people are locked up in prisons for property crimes, (laughs) you know, for poverty, basically, and so how how are you gonna ask people to feel guilty about trying to feed themselves when they've been locked out of a formal economy? So I think that there is a I think there's a tremendous amount of ambivalence in the culture about guilt. When we should feel it when we shouldn't feel it, who's permitted to feel it, who's not. I also think that guilt is like hypergendered. I think that there is a you know, a lot of the self help industry that we lampoon on lean back that is all about this lean in culture creates massive amounts of guilt and if you look at the literature on women in the workplace it's about that or mothering it's about that or women dating and men's feelings it's about that there's a there's a way in which guilt is gendered and so ashamed to be hyper feminized feelings so if american jurisprudence is about this cultivating a sense of guilt and then in popular culture and in theological culture and all these other spaces of American intellectual life, guilt and shame are gendered, then what does that tell us about jurisprudence and its ability to access guilt as a vector of, of public feeling? <laughs> you know, as a vector of American public feeling, it tells us that guilt and shame should be feminized feelings and that the people who are feeling them or who are judged by the judicial system are feminized.
1: So I, I said earlier that I felt that there was so much weight on guilt, but I find it possible and even probable that I feel that because I'm a woman. Yeah, totes. And I, I, I do notice that there's all this rhetorical emphasis on guilt as a uh, an advertising strategy oh, yeah. targeted at women, like, um, like guilt-free. Gaslighting? Yeah. Well, guilt-free is a discourse on eating and weight loss and fitness, certain Fat-free snacks and diet sodas are branded as like, guilt-free. And so then it, like, places this weight on normal behavior. Like, you're eating food to, like, satiate yourself to operate as an yeah. old And the rhetoric of, of guilt is, like, clouded over you. I'm using that as an example, but there's so many expectations that women are held to. Um, I mean, there's a ton of guilt in mothering attachment <laughs> so parenting much. yes i said earlier there's all this weight placed on guilt but i had no i i said it and i didn't realize that it was a gender thing <laughs> like i feel a lot of guilt and i realize that a lot of it is related to expectations that i'm held to as a woman
0: it's funny you and i talk a lot about um how i marshal influence differently than other people and i, I think that the reason why i have it is because i don't participate in guilt and shame culture as a woman, like, I just patently refuse to be guilted or shamed into more work or feeling bad about my body or, you know, mean-girling other people or, I mean, just, like, all of the structures that are the surveillance panopticon, you know, in a quote-unquote liberal democracy. It's getting harder and harder to say that without a laugh every day. <coughs> but, I mean, I th- I feel like for me personally, my source of um, centeredness or... Power, personal, interpersonal power comes from my complete and total refusal to participate in that kind of guilting and shaming. I just won't do it. I just don't feel it anymore. Like, I haven't for years and years. I cannot be shamed into starving myself. Well, that's part of the be. lean
1: back mantra. Yeah.
0: It's a disengagement
1: from... Surveillance harmful. culture. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> harmful attachments, yeah. I mean, it's part of our manifesto. And lean back is useful For me, because I still feel that cultural guilt that I need to continue. I need a praxis, right? Mm -hmm. To help me (laughs) manage the expectations, the cultural expectations and that weight. And to lean back from it, you know, part of what we're trying to build is a praxis. And when we talk about how and when we reveal, you know, how we engage with these topics, it really, I think... Kind of opens up that space, you know, where you can like pump the brakes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: driving forward in, in or you know, falling into something
0: into a system that won't catch you. Yeah, or driving the Titanic into the iceberg, burning yourself out. You know, I mean, I feel like that it's that way among my colleagues in the communication field. Because there's some, like, in their mind, there's, like, some magical series of decisions that everybody makes. And once you make them in whatever order, then you're magically made, like, you, right, like, like mob made, like, then you become the consigliere or whatever, you become the capo or, you know, whatever. And I just have never done those things. I'm not interested in them. I feel like my drive to do stuff is completely internally focused. So it's hard for me to care about the goals that other people have or like the rules for who is understood as successful or I just don't have that apparatus. Like I just gave it up a really long time ago and have been making my own decisions since I was so very young that I can't I don't have anything in me that drives me to get what other people have or to follow them on their path, covet what they have, or feel guilty for not having what they have. I just don't have that comparative mechanism of self-loathing. I just don't. I mean, it just strikes me as so totally self-destructive and self-sabotaging, and I don't have that drive in me. I never have been that way where I was like, oh, let me see how quickly I can destroy myself. Oh, look, here's the thing that you have that I don't have the capacity to have. I'm going to covet that. What
1: you're talking about, though, is fundamentally anti-capitalist yes that drive
0: i don't have that (laughs) to acquire
1: things i don't have that as like a form of self-actualization i mean that's capitalism and guilt is a mechanism of capitalism if you don't get the bonus or you don't have a nice as nice of a car as your neighbor i mean guilt is a real Visceral emotion oh, yeah. that you feel related to, and I mean, lean in is a part of the same thing, you know. I mean, it establishes a course of action to help with uh, the attainment of wealth and power and achievement in this very narrow sense, um, and it places the blame on women. But that also creates a space for guilt Mm -hmm. that helps drive drive the desire um, to achieve more things. Like you can erase your guilt. You feel guilty. You can erase it with acquiring and like desiring it.
0: I mean, I just, for me, there was a manifesto in Dwell Magazine from an architect, and I want to say 2004, at the end, either the end of 2003 or beginning of 2004, <clears throat> and it was this, you know, major architect, and he was talking about how... um he doesn't submit things for prizes and he doesn't apply for grants. And, you know, he's like, my motivation is internally focused towards building the best product that I can, the best, you know, expression of architecture that I can, the most pure expression of, you know, whatever the goal is in this design that I can. And I tacked it up on my wall when I was a grad student for years because it was totally fundamentally anti-capitalist. And I, Insofar as I'm concerned about money, I'm concerned about fairness, not about the acquisition of. And I think especially when we think about guilt in a professional context, so much of the guilt is about not achieving what others have achieved, which is hard, especially if you can't see structures of oppression that are redistributing opportunity or access or privilege in ways that are fundamentally unequal. So... As somebody who thinks constantly about the distribution of equality and inequality, it's hard for me to compare myself to other people as though we are the same, or have the same anything, or the same footing, or the same opportunity. It's just not real. At the end of the day, I'm happy to take responsibility for my actions as they affect others and as they affect myself. But I know that I'm ultimately responsible for them. That's how I can pursue justice is because I am fundamentally comfortable taking responsibility for my successes and failures as things that are fundamentally the products of decisions that I am that I am making that are in within my control you know that are about that kind of independent assessment you know and so when i think about my colleagues or my students that are riddled with guilt and anxiety about not measuring up or not being good enough or not saying the right thing or not getting the right grade or not getting the right internship. I'm just like, you're making yourself crazy. You are literally stressing your body and mind so hard with these feelings of inadequacy that are so totally manufactured and dependent upon things that you can't possibly control. Why would you ever base your sense of self on factors that you can't control? You're... you're you can, yeah, I mean, you're, I mean
1: we're living in a hyper competitive culture. Like everything <laughs> that young people feel about themselves is, I mean, they compare themselves to other people. Oh yeah, I know
0: that's sad yeah. though, but it kills their it kills their spark, it kills their sparkle, it kills their creativity. You know, it makes it difficult for them to creatively problem solve. They don't adapt well. We also, we talk about hustle, they can't hustle. I mean, they can't create new paths feet forward because they're they have these dangerous attachments to things that aren't real to objectives that they can't possibly achieve that are constantly changing because of huge structures of scale and economies of scale that they're not even really participating in
1: yeah and when and when it's so hyper competitive there's a huge yeah. price on deciding not to compete i mean and and there are a lot of people who stand to gain from the fact that you feel guilty if you don't measure up. There are a lot of people who manipulate that feeling of guilt, um, <laughs> to overwork, you know, I mean, yes, I do I, know. I, there's a, there's a new trend in, uh, human resources where companies will give their employees unlimited time off and, it turns out that people take less vacations when they receive unlimited time off because they feel so competitive with their coworkers. Like if they see Chad. Yeah, if they <laughs> see ooh, Chad.
0: Who is in their same position. Yeah, Chad. <laughs> if they see Chad. they see Chad
1: and he is charismatic and on good terms with your boss. But you and are white. Too. And white. He's a white male.
0: Yeah, obviously, Chad's a white male.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and- <laughs> Um, you see, Chad, you have unlimited vacation. You want to take a vacation. Chad hasn't taken a vacation in two years. There's a chance you'll receive a promotion. Like you don't take the vacation, I, and you feel. And if you did, you would feel guilty, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't enjoy it fully. <laughs> so there's this whole guilt-based management thing where people are exploiting that like hyper-competitive nature and if you decide to opt out of competing and um even in a reasonable way you're penalized
0: but that's the thing though i feel like i get penalized all the time i'm just willing i'm just aware of it i know when i make the decision that i'm going to be penalized and i'm willing to accept the consequences and i'm going to do it my way anyway i just so you don't feel guilt no i, I feel agency whole-
1: there's this whole like system. I know that's but, trying to make you feel guilty. Yeah, but
0: I won't listen to it. But I'm just saying that the difference is, is that you can replace that feeling of guilt with agency. But that means taking responsibility for your actions. If you if you want to compete and you want to do this guilt, shame spiral thing that people do <clears throat> with the self loathing and the self hatred and the emotional cutting and the self sabotage, you can do that if that's what you think it takes to fit into capitalism, let me know how it works out. I guess everybody needs a starter husband or wife. You know, everybody, everybody's going to have a massive heart attack by 45. I mean, I, you can do that. The culture is set up to facilitate that kind of behavior. <clears throat> I'm just saying that there's another way and it involves a radical sense of self-responsibility and a complete and total acceptance of the pain.
1: Yeah, this is exciting to me, because I, I kind of anticipated that we would talk about, you know, um, the fact that there's a type of guilt that makes you feel bogged down, um, and immobilizes you, and prevents you oh, yeah. from taking care of yourself, um, and there's a the kind of guilt that makes you, like, uh, think critically and reassess, but I really like the flip side of of that, which is... Not feeling guilt.
0: Radical agency. Yeah. Play. That's why I like play so much. Play is the way that I assert my radical agency. It's a way of exposing power, dodging it, punching back at it. You know? It's anti-fascist. Play is fundamentally anti-fascist. And I think that guilt and shame are fascist feelings. They're really hyper-controlling, surveillance, policing feelings. And I hate that. Obviously, I write about prison, so I'm not down.
1: I do think... That I part of the reason I didn't even accept that th- we might
0: go this way reach,
1: right is because I f- abhor men who don't accept guilt or who don't yeah accept responsibility for the things they've done wrong I hear and that I mean the whole Brock Turner debacle and his father not accepting any but see that's the thing that's (laughs) the
0: difference listen brock turner is a rapist and his dad is a piece of shit period but the problem is not that they should feel guilty the problem is that they should feel responsible they should be forced to understand their own agency he made choices that the culture deems or should deem as violent and completely intolerable It, it shouldn't be about cultivating those emotions it really should not I mean, the older that I get and the more that I work on social justice stuff and the more that I write about the politics of affect and the more that I think that guilt and shame are really not productive emotions. They build resentment. So this political moment that we're living through right now with Trump, I think, is a backlash not just to a black president, but the liberal identity politics of call-out culture where you know we're supposed to call people out to make them feel guilt and shame. And what that's doing is calcifying white resentment. I'm not saying that those people shouldn't be trolled for being assholes. I'm just saying that it's better to force them to have a sense of responsibility than a sense of guilt. The feeling is not the productive part. You don't get to actually interrogate then the role of citizenship in the feeling.
1: But have they accepted responsibility? No, because
0: we want them to feel guilt. Because the entire crushing weight of this righteous identity politics moment is about forcing people to feel a certain way. I resist, I fundamentally resist that move to force people to feel bad. That's not saying you shouldn't punch Nazis. You should punch them, but don't expect them to feel guilty about being Nazis. That is stupid, that is a total waste of time. They should be held responsible. There should be a collective movement in the culture to say this is unacceptable behavior for a citizen. But trying to control their emotions is the same as trying to force-feed women no fat, low-fat yogurt or whatever, garbage foods. Mm -hmm. It's like calorically empty discourse.
1: I agree with that, but at the same time, I think there are a lot of men who refuse to accept responsibility. I mean, we have one currently leading our country right now totally i mean he makes excuses for every garbage thing he does yes things that aren't a policy issue that ha- is a matter of opinion sure like things that he is actually i agree i mean he's been sued
0: good well what do you so think is the sides. threshold how, what do you think you can do to shame the guy that's in charge of america right now let me know what that fact <laughs> looks like what do you what how will he be, feel guilty I just don't think that that's a thing. I think that I think that the president is asserting radical agency just like I am, except that he is creating a different set of rules for which the culture is expected to accommodate the kind of citizenship that he's performing. So there's part of me that is very interested in the way that he is shrugging off guilt and shame as a cultural construct. I Actually, that's the thing that I like about the changing nature of the emotional discourse of the moment. And I would also say that I think that a majority of whatever tiny little fragment of America actually supports him feels the same way. They are, they feel resentful. I also feel resentful about the politics of guilt and shame as they affect me as a woman. Not as they affect me as a white person because I think that there's room there to negotiate what equality looks like. But the thing that I'm interested in with the president is in how he shrugs off guilt and shame. I actually think that's interesting. But I don't think there's anything that you can do to make him feel those things.
1: Well, that's clear now. Yeah. But I guess what I'm trying to do is parse um, how I feel about your notion of radical agency. Because I see it being used in this way that I find damaging. Sure. You know, hyper self interest. That's because
0: it's about <laughs> capital. He's using it in the pursuit of capital. Not in the pursuit of justice. And so I'm saying radical agency can be asserted as a way of reconstituting the culture as about justice. But right now it's being reconstituted around capital, which I also find mm. repulsive. But you, if, if, if that's the thing, if the emotional caliber of the nation calcifies around capital, then there will be no guilt or shame, which is why the judiciary is the thing that's under attack right now, is because all of the questions of guilt and innocence are decided there. And so, of course, then the move is going to be to diminish its power, to be able to say good and bad, good citizen, bad citizen. But that's not about radical agency. That's about capital and about what kind of valence it plays in a community of practice or in a nation. So his problem is not that he doesn't feel guilt or shame. His problem is that he's a slave to capital
1: the judicial system cares less about guilt and innocence than it makes it out to be sure
0: so i mean i'm just just saying symbolically of the place where we (laughs) talk about guilt you started here talking about you know the language of the law and it being this juridical space guilt you're right about that symbolically the law is where issues of guilt and innocence arise so to diminish that in the service of capital seems extremely disconcerting. It's not, it's not a coincidence that, you know, I think that there might be a move to abolish the Department of Justice and all these executive orders that are fundamentally about massive inequality. That's not a coincidence.
1: But in, pra- in practice, I mean, the law really cares more about what kind of case you have and how well argued it is and the precedence. And and no, it just cares whether you're
0: white or black. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean to be honest, yes. Yeah, it cares I mean, you're I right would, I'm building up like, to that. Like, yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter whether you're <laughs> Did I blow the punchline? <laughs> I mean, no.
1: Uh, I mean, it's a Pandora's box. If you really ask yourself whether the legal system involves itself in questions of guilt and innocence. Like, it's a Pandora's box.
0: But it is a symbolic space where guilt it's and innocence
1: write citizenship. As a space of checks and balances the more checks there are on any one person having power i mean i
0: sympathize with the symbolic role of the judiciary even in that limited yeah sure sense this is an interesting moment to think about guilt and how it functions we're in a moment that is completely evacuated from especially on the right from moral language and now it's about utilitarian speak and the politics of anger So when the right is so angry and resentful, how do you break through that with emotional discourses that introduce guilt and shame? You can't. It has to be play. The only way that you can give back to those people is play. I mean, as somebody who works with legislators, thinks about legislation and writes about legislation and how legislative personalities maneuver, the only way to build that bridge back is not Guilt and shame, it is totally play, is where you rebuild the bridges to create common understanding where you can reintroduce justice. I think that, that guilt and shame are the most alienating feelings. And I think that the retributive part of the justice system where you want somebody to feel that because they did a wrong is actually fundamentally flawed. I, I think you get no restorative justice. You don't restore rights or restore humanity through guilt or shame. They are not restorative emotions. As somebody who studies black social movements, the clarion called a conscience did not somehow magically make America more equal. It created more white resentment. The more that you focus on guilt and shame as retributive emotions that you want to solicit from somebody because of their evil doing, the more you build the backlash cycle that will destroy you, which is why play is the vector of the manifesto that I wanted to emphasize. That's where the bridge building is. That's where the creativity is. That's where the ego gets left to the side. Otherwise, it's just this tit-for-tat, eye for an eye, nihilistic death dance that doesn't bring us closer to justice or equality or single-payer health care or redistributed wealth or restorative justice in the judicial system or legalized marijuana or any of the other things that you think are social goods that can be distributed across an entire continent of humans. Thanks for listening. These materials are not endorsed, approved, sponsored, or provided by or on behalf of the University of Arkansas Fayetteville.